Hi, everybody. It's Trish Rubin, and welcome to episode 10 of Blur and Blend Marketing. And I'm coming to you from Brooklyn, my first Brooklyn podcast. Go Brooklyn. Yeah, finally. I'm out of the borough of Manhattan and into the wilds of Brooklyn. And my guest today, some of you know if you've been in class with me, um, my guest is Gary Golden. And Gary is one of my most interesting <laughs> friends and colleagues. We've known each other a long time. Uh, we're going back 12 years, I think, in this relationship. And when I met Gary out in the world of meetup, I was so excited because I had never met somebody <coughs> like Gary. And he is a futurist. He's going to tell you about that. He's actually a degreed futurist. And I thought, I don't know anyone like him. And I felt so excited to know, know him 12 years ago, just as excited to <coughs> know him now and to learn from him. So here is Gary Gold, and I want you to meet him and enjoy his view of the blur and blend and the ambiguity of the world and how he's innovating in it and helping others to learn that too. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so uh, so I am what we would call an academically trained futurist. So I have a, a degree in future studies from the University of Houston. And essentially what I do is help companies think through market transitions um, so I work with leadership teams to help them understand the signals of change that are happening today in the world and then explore implications for their business in the future. Um, so if we if we think about you know what do futurists do, um, you know fundamentally it's it's about understanding these market transitions. And in the world of media, communications, marketing, there have been different eras of change, right? So, Historically, in the past, it's just been one-to-one communication. I needed to connect with you physically in the same time and place, hand out a brochure, a pamphlet, or I'm in a store. Then we saw the emergence mid-century, the past century, to broadcast. So broadcast radio, broadcast television, broadcast print. Um, And that was kind of the dominant form for marketing and communication. And then 15 years ago, we saw the beginning of the era of social media. And that was many people communicating to many other people. And we saw a shift in the control of messaging as a result of that era transition. So we're still in it. We're, we're still growing in this social media world. But futurists are trying to figure out what's next. So what, what is after social media-based marketing and branding and messaging? Yeah. Um, so that's an open question, but 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 you know some of the ideas are this idea of like the Internet of Things, device to device communication. So I'm a company, and I I no longer just communicate with a person, but I'm communicating with that person's machines. It's kind of a radical concept. Yeah. And then the other idea is this idea of like the intelligent assistant. So just like today, we manage our online profiles. We have different personas. You can imagine, you know, my kids, you know, eight, ten-year-olds, when they go into high school in a few years, they are going to be probably be managing their own Siri, their own Alexa, the the AI assistant avatar yeah. of their personality. And then it's a future where companies are going to be marketing messages to individuals' avatars. Right. So what is that? <laughs> right. So this 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 is the unknown territory that we don't know how it's going to play out. Um, right. But but that's what futurists do is help 
you know, surface the questions, the uncertainties of these types of transitions. The unknowable future. <laughs> it is certainly unknowable. <laughs> and coming <clears throat> fast to us. And yeah. so what I like about Gary, because I've seen him not only professionally, but as an, an educator coming in to share his knowledge and to educate us the way he educates clients, what I like about it is that what you do, Gary, is you really help people to move as well confidently as possible because knowing the past and how things were interrupted prior, it's not the first time we've been interrupted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when the phone first came out, the telephone first came out, I remember reading something about the fact that men didn't want the telephone in their homes because their wives were home and they were afraid mm-hmm. when the first telephones came out that the women would be uh, somehow threatened by having that mm. that access. So disruption always causes what you've told my students, this compelling versus mm. creepy line comes mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. And so what I like is your ability to help people think and know that this is part of life. We're just seeing <coughs> it. So because yeah. of the idea of how much noise there is, there's so much going on, we're, we're feeling it more intensely, mm-hmm. the process of change and how the future is coming so quickly to us. Yeah. And, and nobody has ever really taught us how to think about the future. Yes. Right? You, you, in school, you have yes. a history class, you yes. have English, writing, um, but nobody has taught us how to think about the future. Wow. So this, you know, the, 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 the social mission for many of futurists is to get this idea of foresight Right, this ability to anticipate and lead change into general education, yes. into college education, even um, even into <clears throat> the elementary education. Even in elementary, because Absolutely. those kids, as you mentioned, your own children, eight to ten years from now, they are going to have a completely different way of connecting with this future that we are, yeah. and as teachers and people who are leading in education from K all the way up through 16, mm-hmm. we have to be better at that, I imagine. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, getting this idea of, Future, yeah. of, 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 you know, futuring, mm-hmm. of foresight. So, yeah, I'm going to break down the words, right? So there are three lenses on change. There's hindsight, which is looking back and seeing what happened. Um, then there's insight, which is the ability to have a, you know, a nuanced point of view of what's happening today. Okay. You know, an informed point of view is insight. Mm-hmm. And then there's foresight, mm. the ability to anticipate and then lead change. Mm. So, um, you know, in school, we, we get the hindsight piece yes. down. Sometimes we learn about insight. How do you, how do you just know what's going on today? Be a nowist. Yes. Um, but very few students or teachers get into the foresight piece. I like this so much. And again, this is always happening when I sit down with you, to take something so complex and that that vision of, of, of hindsight, insight, and foresight. You know I stand in front of people regularly now. I know I'm going to be able to use that. It's so right. clear. Yeah. Uh, and so for anyone, not, you know, someone who's trying to move into their first job, if they're they're uh, going out of college. That's something that they can actually mm-hmm. talk about too. Uh, but we have to be prepared to to do that yeah. as educators, and then as people who who lead and make change in business mm-hmm. and across <clears throat> industries. Everybody yeah. needs that. Absolutely. And and, and nice. I think the you know five or seven years ago, 
when I would have, you know, a client inquiry. So someone say, hey, you know, we're thinking about bringing a futurist. The first question seven years ago would be why? Like, make the case that, yeah. that this is a valuable experience. I roll. <laughs> to, today, nobody asks why uh, is it important to think about the future. Yeah. Every client, when they get on the phone, just wants to know how, right? So leaders know that disruption is coming from many different directions. You have non-traditional um, players that are now your competition moving forward. Um, they know that the world is changing in unique ways, and, and this idea of foresight is going to be a skill set and a mindset for the future. I love that. Um, I yeah, just love yeah. that simple way of thinking. <clears throat> I think when I write the show notes for this, yeah. I'm going to use that to attract some attention around that idea of that very simple way of hindsight, insight, mm-hmm. and foresight. Yeah. And, and then if you think, oh, what are the ways that futurists, you know, what, what do we do? What are the activities? Um, a, a colleague of mine, Wendy Schultz out of the UK, came up with a very, very simple framing that futurists do three things, right? We, we investigate, we identify and monitor change. So the first thing we do is looking for those signals, which I know you've spoken a lot yes. about. It sparks and honey, yeah. What's happening in the world? What are those signals? Um, so that investigation, the second piece is then imagining implications. And when we imagine implications, we can, we can think in terms of extrapolation, just forecasting what we see going on that's more or less of something. And then the second way of imagining implications is through scenarios, right? So creating stories oh, of the future yeah. that are different than today. So, so we've got imagining implications, and then the third thing is um, the, the inspiration, leading change, right? Companies, teachers, yes. students being able to say, our industry is going in this direction, and we need to pivot and you know, be prepared to meet that future. The agility that yeah. you need. You're just sparking so many thoughts. I'm thinking about that little... A little one in um, Europe who led the protests, Greta um, Gerwig. Sure, yeah, yeah, as a change agent. Yeah, and so there's someone who has that foresight, who who is seeing this, who knows this. She has the story to tell. Yeah, and she's 12 years old. Yeah, and and I think for most people, the natural orientation is towards that leading change piece. Like Mm -hmm. we want to just. Tell me very quickly, what's happening in the world? I want to lead. And, you know, in my practice and with with my clients, I put more weight at the beginning of that process. I put more emphasis on your ability to identify and monitor those signals of change. Because what I find in most organizations is people have heard the buzzwords, but they do not have depth of understanding on those subjects. So it's like, oh, so, blockchain is coming. What? Yes. Is, and they have a very leaders will have a <clears throat> a very um, uninformed or a very low level <laughs> uh, informed state of mind when they talk about this change. So I try to push my clients to the behavior of scanning for signals of change, right? Mm -hmm. You need to wake up every day before you get onto email, you need to go into Twitter and you need to have a Twitter community of thought leaders across many sectors. And you need to look for what are those curated signals that are being talked about on your Twitter feed that day. 
and then open up those stories and you know we can talk offline about how you tag it and archive those signals but um, leaders and students and teachers don't always know what's going on in the world today. They have a very yeah. just a kind of a, a, a surface level surface level sense of change, right. rather than really trying to build knowledge and understanding on these complicated subjects. That is so. That that comes to me as something that I try to give to people as well, especially uh, leaders in education mm. who don't have that orientation. You know, the ivory tower, as we were called, but that's mm-hmm. long gone or is crumbling now. So, yeah, the idea of being a curator, mm-hmm. as you said, mm-hmm. is important. So, as I understand, you're, that's one of the major things that you bring to a leader or mm-hmm. an internal organization, the necessity of the the signal, how to uh, identify it and get yeah. comfortable yeah. and then... And then Weave it with other signals, so you yeah. have an <clears throat> innovative mindset for what you're doing. Yeah. So and that our idea of the blur and the blend, the signals are out there. It's absolutely, absolutely. And and your ability to, um, like assess a signal, will vary based on how much you understand it. Yeah. Right. So there could be a signal that is uh, very important to a field of study, like AI and marketing or something. But you don't know anything about it. So you see that signal and you just dismiss it mm-hmm. versus if you're informed and you've got, a, again, a nuanced understanding insight. of, right, and you know what's going on, you see insight. that signal, you give it more weight, you give it more attention. Mm. You're able to take mental leaps and imagine what are those implications. So yeah. I, I think you know so much of being a futurist is just being a learner mm-hmm. and being open-minded and being comfortable with ambiguity. We don't know what's going to happen, right? But it doesn't mean we rush to a conclusion. We we stay in that space. We stay in the fog and we embrace it. Mm-hmm. And as more signals come in, they bring clarity and certainty. We're able to move more quickly or make the right type of investments. Right? So what, yeah. what do you, when you're curating and what you're seeing, mm-hmm. what's got your attention today? <laughs> So, I mean, many things, right? I mean, you always start with demographics. You always want to understand what are the big shifts in, in, in cohorts, large groups, generations of change. And, you know, there's a global picture. There's a national picture. There's a local demographic story. Right. So it kind of depends on what, what your geographical scope. Um, but the big ones in demographics are aging populations, like we've the whole world is aging. We will we'll never um, we'll never be able to, to to look back and say, oh, we did it this way when this happened, because there's no precedent in having hundreds of millions of people living into their 70s and 80s. Nice. This just yes. society never went through that. Yes. So aging populations is the big story. Mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, you know, I'm I'm 45, so I'm the Gen X. We don't matter because it's just such a small generation. Uh, Sorry. Sorry for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the big story kind of, you know, with the millennials is, is what's called their household family formation stage. So now they're... They're in the workforce, they're in their 30s, and they're having kids and buying homes and buying into communities. Um, so that, that, that household formation is the big story. And now you've got, um, now you have millennial managers asking 
people to come in to talk about why the Gen Z is so disruptive, right? Like the irony is so uh, out there. Now we've got the millennials that were once the subject of, we don't understand them. Now they're... They're asking about this. Yeah. So for for the companies that you're advising, so they're struggling with that internal uh, communication and the identity of who's in the organization, how they relate to the brand that that organization is trying to advance. And I know. And then I recently heard, like... After the Gen Zs, uh, you know, this alpha gen that's being mm. born now. And that is, seems to be driving, you know, everything has to have a label, right? Yeah, Marketing, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And knowing that, you know, my niece is pregnant and she's going to have yeah. her first baby, that baby is like part of that alpha gen. I love it. So I've never heard of alpha gen. So this is yes. me getting a signal from thank you. Thank you. I, you know, um, thank you. Yeah, but well. yeah, I, I, you know, you always start with demographics. You always start with people. And then, you know, clearly, you know, nothing changes without policy and regulations. You always want to understand like what's, what are the barriers to change? What are the, you know, what's the real world stuff? Um, but then very quickly within, you know, the futurist foresight world, you, you get to the biggest driver of change, which is technology. You don't want to oversell it. You don't want to underestimate it. But mm. cl- clearly, technology is the, you know, the the dominant driver of change. And you know, the big themes there are around data, and you know, having a a world where not just more data is being generated and collected and blah blah blah, but a world where consumers and companies work towards resolution on who's going to own it, who's going to control it, who's going to have access, how do we deal with this creepy versus compelling stuff. We're we're like teenagers in the developmental phase of a digital Mm. society, right? We're kind of like in a... I like this. You know, we're like, oh, it's it's all about me and it's reckless. Yeah. And, you know, we're entering the young adult phase and I think people are going to say, you know what? I need to start being a little bit more responsible with my personal data. Yeah. And yep. we're saying to companies, you need to be more transparent. So I think we're going to see a more agreement in regulation and in the culture of big tech right. companies where we start to resolve some of these like private data versus public data. I think that that's a big yeah. area of uncertainty. I, yeah, I think, and I'd like to talk to you in another, at another time about that yeah. even further. Gary, you were the first person who really got me to understand what blockchain was mm-hmm. out of the lecture that, I remember you coming in a couple of years ago, yeah. and you mentioned to the Baruch students, anyone interested, and every hand in the room went up, mm-hmm. and so I really understood that. Yesterday, the signal that I found most interesting is this um, signal from Facebook about yeah. creating their own uh, cryptocurrency. Yeah, and yeah. I, I get the shivers just thinking about it, knowing you know how mismanaged they've been just with our own data, yeah. and now we're going to throw money into this. Yeah. So there's so much yeah. out there for 
what you're you've been talking about true this this whole idea of the insight trying to get insight so you can move with foresight yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really appreciative of the discussion because it's so complex but yet that is something that I think I'm going to take with me as soon as next week when I'm in yeah. front of a couple hundred people yeah. and talk about that kind of view yeah. that um, to welcome this as a future piece so of uh, I just uh, this has just been great for me personally, and I know when this posts, I see myself assigning this in September <laughs> in my classes in France. Excellent. That their homework will be to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we wrap up, uh, what do you, you know, what what's your final thinking on this lovely Wednesday? In yeah, I, so I, 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 it's always the question is always like, how do I get started, <laughs> right? Um, I think you know just just. Uh, two things. One is like understand that you know when you say how is the going to how is the future going to be different, you have to really recognize that it's how I am as a person will shape what I think is going to happen in the future, right? So, so the the, the area that I'm exploring is um, futurists will say there is uh, there's two types of change. There's outside in change coming to you. Like, and you're an industry, and you're like, well, change is coming toward us. Mm-hmm. And then there's inside out, right? What is the change I want to bring out into the world? Mm. And then this this is my abstract quest for the, the next year to figure out. is like, how do we think about that, like, inside in? Like, what is the what are the things that are in me that make my view of the future what it is? Like, what are my biases? What are my assumptions? Mm-hmm. So I think... Thinking about the future is certainly about understanding that external world, but it is the most deeply personal thing that you could ever oh, do yeah. because you're really questioning, what am I? What do I, what do I think about these things? So powerful. that's kind of philosophical. but It's it was a, powerful. It's very powerful to think about the future. And I love yeah. that for anyone who's listening to really see that that is... The, the idea of you know the change coming the outside in yeah. the inside in this is yeah. you what does it make what does it make <laughs> you think about yourself yes. and but then the final that's, thing that's is great. Yeah. is uh, and you know I think you and I are aligned on this um, people will often come up at the end of a, a talk or workshop and say what book should I read or something and there are lots of books obviously but for me it's who are the people you should follow yes so I will continue to say that Twitter is the place where thought leaders of all communities come together for their conversation. Now, Twitter can be toxic and we need to use the mute button and the block function and, you know, all that stuff. But used properly, Twitter will help you understand the language, the conversation memes and the hashtags of your one understand branding and healthcare, branding and education, brand, whatever it is. So Twitter is the place where we can understand the language of that community. And listen into that. And just tap into the people. So I I still think that Twitter is the place for you to find the future faster than anyone else. I love it. So... Wow. Well, I know what's in your future. You're coming back for another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to see you in the fall, certainly in my classroom in Baruch. I'll see you. And uh, it's just been remarkable for me. Uh, 
in 12 years of knowing you to always be delighted to be with you. And uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me.